0: You're listening to Revenge of the Drive-In, the podcast where Jim and Patrick watch and discuss a drive-in double feature, consisting of horror films, spy films, exploitation movies, erotic thrillers, sex comedies, and the like. Our ultimate goal is to determine if these two movies, randomly selected from a list of over 1,600, would make for a good drive-in double feature. We will be going through the plots of these movies in detail, so if you're concerned about spoilers, feel free to check them out before listening to us, and we'll be sure to point out if and when these films are available on various streaming services. Be sure to follow us on Twitter for any updates, that's at DriveInPodcasts, no underscores, hyphens, or spaces, and let's get started. I'm your host, Patrick, and I'm joined by... Jim! So Jim, this time we've got two... I'm not sure if we can call them two good movies, one good movie and one, if not good, at least very interesting movie. And that's because this time we've got First Blood, the original Rambo movie from 1982, and Sleepaway Camp from 1983. If you're listening and you want to see the movie, which you absolutely should, A, go into it not knowing a whole lot, which is how I advise Jim to go into it. Mm-hmm. and b it's available virtually everywhere you can still watch this movie on youtube you can watch it on shutter 2 be i believe prime so it's not wanting for availability
1: and i also want to point out when you said go into it without looking anything up about it i waited like that for kind of like two months maybe yeah that was and a couple uh,
0: months ago when i mentioned that totally worth it <laughs> yeah yeah I've i've shown this movie to a couple of friends before telling them we're going to watch this movie. Don't look up anything about it, you know, in the week or so leading up to us watching it together. And it kind of blew their mind. And of course, they (laughs) thought I was telling them not to look anything into it because they thought I was going to like bust out like a porno on them or something, which (laughs) at times the movie feels like we're almost getting there, but in a very different way from some of the other movies we've watched.
1: Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, Patrick, let's get into it. Let's start with uh, First Blood. 1982 a good old sly stallone flick uh it's the first installment of the rambo franchise which i didn't even know there was only like five movies or six movies in it i thought there were way more
0: yeah it's a weird franchise because they had like three of them come out in the 80s you know Mm -hmm. and i guess maybe the third one didn't do that well or maybe they just didn't want to keep doing it stallone gave up and he started he moved on to stop and my mom will shoot stuff like that but they brought (laughs) it back in 2008 when stallone was like starting his comeback that's like around the time of the first Expendables movie. Mm -hmm. It's around the time of Rocky Balboa, you know, the sixth Rocky movie. And then Last Blood comes out because Stallone is in the middle of another comeback after the Creed movies, I think.
1: Last Blood? Not that great. I watched it the other day.
0: This is the only Rambo movie I've seen, and I had only seen it once before. And I've gotta be honest, this movie's better than I remembered it. It's pretty good.
1: It is, yeah, it is. Before I get into the synopsis and everything, I just want to point out the music pretty great by Jerry Goldsmith, who's known for many, many, many notable scores. Planet like, of the Apes, yeah, Star Chinatown, Trek, I believe. Yeah, exactly, Star Trek movies, the Omen movies, Alien.
0: Oh yeah, his score in The Omen is one of my favorites. It's oh, it's incredible. great, yeah. I'll, I'll even forgive the bastardization of the Latin lyrics because the score is that good. <laughs> <laughs> he conjugates the verbs wrong, or whoever wrote the, the lyrics for that, he gets it wrong.
1: But anyways, let's get into it. So uh, we are introduced to Vietnam vet John Rambo while he's on his way to visit a friend of his that served with him in Vietnam, Delmore Barry. But unfortunately, his friend Delmore has passed away due to cancer from Agent Orange, which is kind of a, uh, an interesting touch that they added. Obviously saddened, he has no place to stay, of course, because he just shows up with like, a pack.
0: I gotta be honest, I was a little confused at what he's doing in the beginning of the movie because... He's supposed to I mean he's a veteran but he's supposed to be like a few years removed from service. I mean this movie comes out several years after American troops are out of Vietnam. But yeah. it's like what what has he been doing? This seems like something he should do like right after he was out like well, exactly you, yeah. yeah I think we've mentioned it before but if you've seen the guest it's like that it's like that setup. Yes
1: yeah so he's wearing his army, his army coat, and he's looking a little ragged. And uh, again, saddened by the news of his of his friend dying from cancer, he just turns around and walks away. He walks into this uh, town called Hope, where almost immediately on arrival, <laughs> in this ironically named town, he's stopped by the sheriff who's named Will something. I forget, but I'm just going to call yeah, him the Played
0: Sheriff. by Brian Dennehy, who is a fantastic actor, a legend of the Chicago stage. Unfortunately, perhaps I'll always remember him best for the movie Tommy Boy, but he's a, <laughs> he's, he's a really good actor. I like him yeah. a lot in this. I mean, I don't like his character, of course, but he's he's really good here.
1: Well, we're on about him, I didn't realize how big he is compared to Sylvester Stallone in this movie. There's a shot where he wraps his whole hand around Stallone's hand uh, after he picks him up. But anyways, I like him a lot. Almost immediately after Rambo gets to this town, Hope, the sheriff pulls him over, he stops him. Because... He just doesn't like the look of Rambo. He doesn't like the long hair, his army coat wearing guy, who also apparently smells. He just thinks he's not a, he's a not drift.
0: a big Rocky fan. Of course, <laughs> but yeah. uh, this is this is a this is relevant today <laughs> because this movie shows shows just like cops like if they want to be assholes, nobody can really stop them. That's kind of what this movie's about to a certain yeah, extent. And,
1: and, it, and it's so weird because as soon as you see you see the sheriff. He, like, leaves the police station. He's saying good morning to all these townspeople. He seems like a nice guy. And then as soon as he runs into Rambo to switch like that and he's just being an asshole
0: and the crazy part is that at the start of this conflict he's the reasonable one he's like the most reasonable police officer the sheriff yeah everyone yeah. else is awful they're so much worse
1: <laughs> exactly yeah the sheriff he picks rambo up and he's going to drive him out of town but all rambo wants is to stop for a bite to eat in town and he's like hey what can i eat here and he's like i don't want you here goddamn it so he drops rambo off on the outskirts of town and points him in the direction of portland But Rambo decides to start walking back into town, where the sheriff then stops him again. But this time he arrests him for being a vagrant and carrying a concealed weapon, which is this giant knife. (laughs) So the sheriff, just being an asshole, decides to take him into the police station. Once there, he hands him off to two other officers who take him to the jail in the basement of the station to book him.
0: Among them, David Caruso of CSI Whatever fame.
1: Yeah, Miami?
0: Probably. I didn't recognize him without the sunglasses. I actually did not realize that was him. Uh, I noticed him in the credits, and I'm like, which one is he? And I'm like, oh, there was a red-haired officer. Must <laughs> yeah, there's
1: only one redhead in the whole movie.
0: Yeah, and also Hank Jennings of Twin Peaks is in there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, Caruso, he plays this nice cop, I guess you could call him.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess he's probably the most reasonable one. And he, yeah. he's the one who, this comes way later, but he eventually tells the sheriff, he's like, uh, you don't get it. Our guys were roughing him up. Not that they, like, deserve this, but he's somewhat sympathetic to Rambo. He feels a little bad for him.
1: Yeah, so so these two cops lead Rambo into the basement, into the jail, and you have these two cops playing a good cop, bad cop routine, sort of, where it's just good cop who's actually a nice guy who's looking on, and then you have a whole group of sadistic cops.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and then the editing, we kind of see the comparisons to when Rambo was a, in Vietnam, how... Yeah similarities of how he's being treated how when they grab him from behind how he was like put up on a cross or whatever and then when they're about to shave him it shows that he was like cut in the chest with a knife
1: yeah in the back and stuff but yeah so rambo's in the jail and he gets he, he keeps getting all these uh, ptsd like flashbacks to when he was uh, a pow in vietnam The last straw is when Galt, the worst cop out of the bunch, starts choking him with his billy club and this guy comes up with a a straight razor to shave him. Rambo flips out and screams after another flashback. He breaks free of Galt. He starts throwing punches and kicks at the cops. <laughs> he knocks them all to the ground. His,
0: his fighting style is weird. Like, he does this thing where he'll go up to a cop and, like, kind of slide to the ground and, like, trip them by their foot.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But the best part of the scene is that he doesn't throw one cop through a window. No, he throws two cops through windows before he speeds out of the police station and rips a guy off a dirt bike. <laughs> that's driving down the street and hops on the dirt bike. So the sheriff hops in a cruiser, starts chasing Ramba along dirt roads and through farmer's fields and partway up a mountainside when the sheriff flips his cruiser into a creek bed.
0: Yeah, I like this scene a lot. You can tell because some of the stunts with the dirt bike. You can tell it's not Stallone. I mean, mm-hmm. not that you can literally see it, but like, you know, they're not putting Stallone through that stuff like no, they no. do a jump. But at the same time, there are enough insert shots of Stallone riding the dirt bike that it's like pretty believable.
1: Yeah. After the cruiser flips, the sheriff gets out, Rambo ditches his dirt bike and runs into the woods. As Rambo's making new clothes out of a tarp he found, the sheriff is calling in, uh, <laughs> uh, he's, he's calling in dogs to track Rambo, but they're not just normal dogs, they're Dobermans. And
0: Yeah, well, he, said, he says it's because it might rain, so they need a dog that can track not just on smell. Oh, is that what he they, says? They don't want, like, a, a hound.
1: Oh, yeah. I thought he was saying, like, I want something that, that'll that beat the shit out of him if it, if it gets his teeth into
0: him. I mean, that's part of it, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that's why he's not choosing beagles or something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so he, he calls in these, Do- these Dobermans, and he also calls in a helicopter to spot him from the air. So from this point on, the next hour or so of the movie is, is Rambo either evading people in the woods, shooting at people in the woods, or getting shot at by people and cops in the woods or
0: setting up traps
1: yes out of this whole hour i think there are two notable scenes and the first one is shortly after he disappears into the woods you can hear the dogs getting closer and closer to, to rambo and he decides to scale down this cliff face into a gorge but as yeah, this seems pretty
0: great it goes on a little too long but it's but it's it does neat. yeah but it's really it's, neat. there's an awesome stunt when the guy jumps
1: what you're mentioning is uh, uh, Rambo leaps off the cliff face and dives into the trees like 50 feet below or something and I was shocked that that was a real guy I was like that's gotta be a dummy I think when he crashes into the trees too that's also a real guy
0: on a couple of the shots in the trees it is stallone not that he literally did the jumping but they appear to have thrown him through some (laughs) a few tree branches (laughs) here there (laughs) wow and even even the uh i'm spoiling this coming scene but galt the guy that falls from the helicopter that's a real guy too yeah i think because especially because you don't see him hit the ground which means they've got some kind of thing to cushion his fall there but that's an impressive stunt too
1: yeah that scene that you just mentioned comes up Almost directly after Rambo leaps off this cliff face, he hurls a rock at this helicopter who has Galt hanging out of it, who's trying to shoot him with a rifle. And when the rock hits the helicopter- Even though the sheriff
0: wants Rambo alive.
1: Exactly, yeah. And he's he's like, "Who, who the hell is shooting? Who's shooting? I told everybody to hold their fire. Rambo whips this rock at the helicopter, cracking the windshield, and the pilot shakes the copter a bit, and Galt falls out to his death. Where Rambo then picks up a gun.
0: I thought it was weird when the other cops like after they examine and they see that Galt's dead and everything, the next time they run into Rambo they get like shot at and they're surprised he has a gun. I'm like, yeah, What? Yeah There's I'm a like... cop there. Like <laughs> you knew he had a gun. <laughs> exactly, right? yeah. yeah. That's that's a that's a little stupid. To well, me, I'm also whatever.
1: All the cops are like, well, you killed Galt. Well, I mean, technically, but I mean, really, he fell to his death. Yeah, know? but
0: they didn't see it. They weren't there yet.
1: No, but like they, they were talking to the chopper guy. How come the chopper guy wasn't like, oh, I, you know, I shook the helicopter and he fell out. The other big scene is probably one of the most famous, actually the most famous scene from this movie. <laughs> it's where Rambo kills the attack dogs. It's, it's nighttime dusk or something, and there's a storm going on. And it's hard to see in the woods, and eventually these these tracking Dobrins come up to Rambo's position. Their handler lets them go, and Rambo kills them, and then uh, <laughs> he shoots the handler in the leg. And one by one, Rambo starts taking out all the cops because they decide to fan out. And uh, he's, like, leaping down out of trees and attacking them. He's breaking their arms. He's stabbing them in the in the back of the leg. And there's this... He's
0: big... using his Home Alone trap.
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah. And it's so brutal because he, he had, like, sharpened all these sticks and created this, like, spear booby trap where this cop walks into it. And it just gets him, like, right in the groin leg area. All of these wooden spears. And he's just screaming and screaming.
0: And at this point, we know a little bit about Rambo's character, too, because they learned from yes, yeah. some cop on the radio that he is a green beret mm-hmm. and he's a congressional medal of honor recipient so yeah. he's good he knows what he's doing
1: yeah and, th- and that's when uh redhead cop what's his name caruso when he goes oh my god i can't believe we're doing this oh he's a vietnam war vet. yeah how are we gonna get him you know he's dangerous he's dangerous and he gets stabbed in the ass the but there's area. also the
0: obligatory line like we're not hunting him he's hunting us yeah, exactly comes yeah. up in, like every kind of thing like this
1: but speaking of lines, there is a famous line in this scene. After Rambo has subdued all the cops, again, he didn't kill them, he just maimed them. <laughs> uh, but after he subdued all of them, he jumps out of the bushes and holds a knife to the sheriff's throat and he says, I could have killed them all. I could have killed you. In town, you're the law. Out here, it's me. Don't push it or I'll give you a war you won't believe. And then he disappears back into the bushes.
0: Maybe I should have pointed this out earlier, but this movie is the perfect use of Stallone as an actor. Cause he mm-hmm. doesn't say that much, <laughs> you know. Yeah. He just kind of grunts and mumbles here and there. There's lots of running and obviously hiding. he's, he's yeah, he's he's ripped as hell. That he's in Rocky Three shape, you know. <laughs> he's probably in his best shape, his most muscular for like Rocky Three and Four, and so you see that here. But Stallone's never really been a great actor. He's worked really well for certain roles, Rocky yeah. being the obvious one. But yeah, just don't give him that much to do as an actor. He he emotes later on, and he does a pretty good job of it but like for the most part in the movie early on he barely says anything <laughs> and then that's like that's the best line delivery of stallone's career right there just him yeah just it was great blankly staring at things
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah i mean him waving a gun around and blankly staring at things are the two things yeah. he's great brian
0: dennehy definitely has to have more lines than him in this movie right
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> he does the yeah. colonel might even have more
1: probably yeah i mean definitely Definitely Dennehy does.
0: Which we'll get to that guy. Ugh. I Oh my God, that wooden as hell of, of an acting performance. I thought that guy was bad. He
1: acts with, it, with all the muscles in his face, but nothing else.
0: <laughs> you know? He's, he, he doesn't come off remotely as like a military guy. No. He, just, he comes off as like a stale businessman
1: well let's get into what you're referencing because after uh, the sheriff is held at knife point by rambo all the cops move out of the woods it's the next day the state police are called in as well as the national guard and as they're trying to figure out what to do about rambo and as this state police guy this like head of them i guess i don't know what you call him as he's kind of As he's he's given uh, the sheriff hell for being hard on Rambo and stuff. This guy, Colonel Troutman. And this
0: is when he learns that they were being hard on him. They didn't realize that the sheriff didn't know that he was beaten up down in the basement until now.
1: That too I'm confused about because he knew they were being rough on him when he was getting his fingerprints taken in the movie.
0: A little bit, but that's a, there's a big difference between just kind of pushing him around a bit and... And
1: beating him with you know, a billy club and hosing him with a hose. Shaving
0: him without shaving cream and yeah. stuff like that. There's, there's a difference.
1: But anyways, this guy, Colonel Troutman, shows up. And he's the guy who trained Rambo and commanded him in Vietnam. And he shows up with this great line. The sheriff says, like, what in God made Rambo or something like that? And Troutman goes, God, I didn't, like, make God didn't make him God didn't make him. Exactly, and yeah. That's like,
0: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> such a cliche of, like, actors showing up perfect, or I should say characters showing up, like, perfect time to deliver, like, a line like that. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, this guy's he's played by Richard Crenna, who, it's a name I've heard of. I don't think I've seen I'm him in never anything else.
1: What you'd said earlier was he doesn't come across at all like an army guy, especially a colonel. He's, right. He's, I don't want to say he's like very emotional in the way he speaks, but it's like his face just gives off every emotion, <laughs> like every time he speaks. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I, I just I don't know what it is about this performance. I just really really do not like it.
1: I agree. That's the only, his performance is the only performance I don't like because like everybody else is either going for uh, a bit of comedy or they're playing it completely straight. The police then have this great idea, Hey, we can lure Rambo out of the woods by getting Colonel Troutman on the radio. And if we can't lure him out of the woods, then we can triangulate his position in the woods. So Troutman calls Rambo and eventually Rambo picks up and uh, he tries to get Rambo to give it up to come out because there's lots of police and news agencies and stuff out here. He goes, I'll take you back to Fort Bragg and we can forget all about this. Rambo goes, I can't. They drew first blood. I guess it's on now. The cops, just like they said they were going to do, they used the radio signal to triangulate his position, which is in like an abandoned mine. So the next morning, all these National Guard guys hike up the mountain, go to this mine and corner Rambo in the mine, which here's a bit of comedy. The uh, sheriff calls up and says, don't shoot. Nobody shoot unless I give the orders. Just keep them there. I want him alive. And then it's like a hard cut. Every single member of the National Guard, like unloading their M16s (laughs) at the uh, at the mine entrance. So the guy who's leading them goes, Okay, Rambo, I will give you three zero seconds to come out of there with your hands up. Immediately after he says that, he goes, Where's the bazooka? <laughs> and this other kind of schlubby guy with glasses comes over with this dumb fucking bazooka. And uh, he blows up the, the entrance of the mine. Everybody thinks Rambo's dead. Yeah, I guess that's right. Really... Th- then there's a bit of comedy, which I don't know if you remember. They're trying to like re- recreate that famous photo of the capture of Iwo Jima. Oh, the Iwo Jima thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I like that bit. Everybody thinks Rambo's been killed and that he's just lying under rubble. And eventually he finds his way out. So after everybody thinks he's dead, Rambo pops out, steals a big and army truck, and crashes through this police barricade to drive back to Hope. So when he gets back into Hope, he sets this gas station on fire, which is pretty neat visuals, which distracts all the local police officers. So they all leave the police station except for the sheriff, and then Rambo runs around the town cutting the electricity by shooting up the transformers on the telephone poles. Then he sets some. This is when s- I
0: learned that this movie is technically a Christmas movie because yeah. there's Christmas decorations on a few of the buildings. I know, but yeah, I didn't
1: realize this was a Christmas movie up until that point.
0: <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's not. It's just like <laughs> this is a Christmas decoration or two hanging around. But well, would you call this you know, more of a Christmas diehard, movie? We've got lethal yeah. <laughs> weapon. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> and we've got first blood.
1: Rambo's cutting power to the town and then he sets this gun store on fire which all this ammunition in it goes off. He's doing this all while the sheriff is hiding for Rambo on the roof of the police station and during all the chaos and confusion of exploding buildings Rambo spots the sheriff on the roof and he sneaks into the police station where the sheriff then tries to shoot Rambo through a skylight but Rambo nails him through the ceiling instead and the sheriff crashes. uh,
0: If we (laughs) didn't say by the way if we didn't say earlier Rambo now has a gun that's about the size of him Oh, yeah. <laughs> he took it yeah. from the back of the army truck. Yeah, which, yeah. Which, you know, that's, like, that's the iconic visual. Rambo just going around with the gun that's, like, four feet yeah, and he's got, long. And
1: he's got ammo hanging off his shoulders and stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a cool look. Uh, for The sure. Halloween costume.
1: So, yeah. So, he nails the sheriff who falls through the skylight, crashes into the station, and just as he's about to kill him, Colonel Troutman shows up again and stops him. And he says, look, look the police station's surrounded by cops. You're the one that screwed up here. There's nowhere else to run. And it keeps telling him, the mission is over. It kind of comes out of the blue, but I'm glad the movie ends this way. Rambo launches into this monologue about how he is still tormented by what he saw, what happened to him, and what he did in Vietnam. He says, like, he he came home to people protesting him and the war. He can't hold a job. He was trusted with... All his friends are dead. Yeah, all his friends are dead. And he he makes a a neat point, which I really like this line. He goes, I was trusted with a million dollar equipment in Vietnam. Here I can't even hold a job or something. He just breaks down. He starts telling Troutman about one of his friends that died in, in Vietnam, but they were supposed to go on a road trip together when they got back to the States, but clear, that's not going to happen anymore. And it, it's just such, it's just this sad scene where Sylvester Stallone actually does a pretty decent job at acting here.
0: Yeah, he's good here. I mean, I, I was making fun of him earlier, but no, he's good in this little monologue.
1: So he he just collapses against this wall and then starts crying into Troutman. And Troutman picks him up and leads him out of the police station. Rambo takes one last look at uh, the sheriff and keeps walking. And I guess presumably he's going to Fort Bragg where Troutman had mentioned earlier that he was going to take him.
0: I mean, he's probably going to be (laughs) but <laughs> on trial and, and yes. arrest i mean like ignoring what happens in the sequels which i haven't seen like I, I still get the impression that he's being arrested here
1: well yeah he's surrounded by about a million cops and national guard yeah, just being <laughs>
0: arrested by a friendly face i guess
1: yeah but uh that's how it ends so patrick what did you think of first
0: blood well the ending is great you know it has kind of the this movie has like the appearance of action schlock and maybe that's what Rambo Two and Three are, but like you look at the poster or the D V D cover or whatever, and it's so that's just Stallone <laughs> holding a giant gun with ammo wrapped around him and it's like, okay, this is gonna be a dumb, fun movie. And it's really not a dumb movie. It goes for emotions that other action movies just don't go for. And I think it pulls those off fairly well. It's it's an interesting look at PTSD amidst a um, soldier returning from a war, particularly a war as controversial as vietnam i i like it i think the action is in many ways the weakest part of the movie i think if you count up all of the bullets fired probably 95 percent of them are fired not at a person you know they're Mm. they're fired at buildings they're they're fired (laughs) at gunpowder trails they're fired at like electrical boxes and it's just like it i don't know the action could be better but you know the movie's good
1: i think the best Bit of action is when Rambo's attacking the police in the woods. That's probably my. I'm, I'm a big uh,
0: dirt bike chase. Oh yeah, scene. that's great. Too. I like that a lot. Even though that's kind of almost before the movie starts, it's before Rambo becomes Rambo. He becomes <laughs> Rambo once he's in the woods and he's killing people with home alone or not killing, but he's he's uh, attacking people with home alone <laughs> traps. Like that is Rambo. But I like the dirt bike chase a lot.
1: This really is a movie about how a veteran is dealing with PTSD in the world. After he's been let go from the army, and that's a really interesting to take on a on an action movie, and I don't think we get that enough. And you're, you're right, the the action is probably the weakest part, but all the stuff in the woods is is interesting enough. It, it kind of it gets like it dips. I think after the whole National Guard thing, after they blow up the mine entrance, it dips until it gets back into hope, and that's kind of neat.
0: All in all, good movie. There's like five minutes between the exactly. the of up the mine <laughs> and getting back to yeah. hope. You're not you're not exactly that's felt like not twenty minutes dip, though. That's what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he gets the truck and like almost immediately ends up there he like throws a guy out of it at one point
1: when i was watching this the second time as soon as uh as soon as all those national guard guys got kicked off their iwo jima mound by the sheriff i skipped through that up until when he <laughs> lights the gas station on fire in hope and it was like it was like 10 minutes that for me is the only part that really dragged
0: i also really appreciate the depiction of the sheriff by brian dennehy i think it's for the person who's just your asshole sheriff antagonist then he gives him some layers he's able to do more with the character than I think a lot of other actors would be able to Mm -hmm. I like how he starts out like he's a jackass but it's not I mean I don't want to say it's not that big of a deal but it's not he's not ready to kill the guy or anything even when he's escaped into the woods he still wants to take him alive and he's upset when Galt is shooting at him but then as the movie goes on he gets like more and more pissed off he's pissed off a at how Rambo's embarrassed and harmed his own men and killed the dogs Mm-hmm. And also the guy that the dog handler might die. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling he's probably going to die uh, because they like leave him there. And it's like, oh, we'll come back for you. And like, okay, he's yeah. probably gone. But then and also just the frustrations of him dealing with, especially the colonel, who's constantly telling him, like, you don't understand him. You don't know what, what you're talking about. Like the sheriff's getting be pissed off about all of that. <laughs> so, so I think it, it makes sense that he gets more and more aggressive as the movie goes on.
1: I mean, I, I'm not going to say I would have liked to rewrite a bit of it because I have no clue what I would add. But I kind of wish there was like one last like conversation or something between Rambo and the sheriff as he's like walking out of the police station.
0: But more resolution between that conflict, maybe. Yeah,
1: because the sheriff just says, shoot me after he, <laughs> he falls to the ground and then Troutman gets Rambo to back off. And then he walks out as the sheriff is being put in an ambulance. But yeah, I really liked him.
0: Yeah, so so we're in agreement here. Good movie, probably not quite a great movie. I liked it a good deal. It's no audition. <laughs> it's no, for, it's a few movies are. It's no from Russia with love, no. but it's good.
1: No, but I will say, if you want to see a great schlock Rambo movie, it's the one from two thousand and eight. That's the one you got to. Go what for. I've
0: heard is the most violent movie ever made. I had a teacher in. Well, he he was like a substitute teacher. Eventually, he was a permanent teacher at my high school and the one particular day he was like subbing for somebody and he had just recently seen rambo 2008 and 35 minutes of the 45 minute lecture was on how awesome rambo was (laughs) and how people exploded and stuff like that like that was that was a fun day of class
1: but don't watch last blood that's the one you should avoid at all costs well it's on our list watch first blood 2008 and get rid of last blood
0: what about the two sequels in the '80s?
1: I was telling you before we started recording, I you know I was tricked into thinking I really liked the first Rambo when I was a kid because I saw the second one. I was like, "This is great!" And my dad was like, "Oh, you love the first one?" And I was like, "What the fuck is this? It's just this guy running around the woods for an hour."
0: As someone who hasn't seen the Rambo sequels but knows like a little bit about them, it almost seems like Rambo two slash Rambo three to Rambo is like Rocky three Rocky four to Rocky. You know what I mean? They're they're movies yeah, yeah, yeah. that like exist in different universes. Like Rocky Three <laughs> is an action movie. Rocky Four is this action propaganda movie, and then Rocky's just this like <laughs> boring, emotional, really, 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 really good sports drama. So, is Rocky and Four then, the that, one that's James what we've Brown got here? We've it? got this. Oh, uh, Rocky Four's got James Brown, and Rock. then, uh, <laughs> but that's kind of what we have here. I mean, not James Brown, but the first. <laughs> first blood is like it's kind of boring it's not the most exciting but it's compelling in its drama even though it's got a very simple plot it's got stuff going on with its characters and emotionally going on yeah i agree so we are following that up with sleepaway camp one of the most interesting movies ever made in my opinion jim i'm definitely interested in hearing what you have to say about it i we haven't talked about this but i suspect i know your reaction because i feel like there <laughs> is only one possible reaction to this movie <laughs> but we'll I mean, get into which that part? shortly <laughs> well well i mean there's so many different parts of course I, I almost want like your reaction to each individual scene this is a movie that i wish you and i uh. could have watched together it's a shame we're doing this <laughs> remotely of course but it's it's a movie that you feel like you need to talk about it, right? Right when you see it, well, like during while you're seeing it, you feel like you need to talk to somebody, therapist, yeah, somebody. Yes. I mean, this is it's one of those movies. <laughs> uh and, and and before before we get started again to kind of reiterate this movie's available to see anywhere it's absolutely incredible it's so much fun i constantly waver on if it's a good bad movie or a bad good movie but at any rate <laughs> it needs to be, it need it truly needs to be seen to be believed like i think i said that about like dr alien and that's nothing compared to this another a big reason why you need to see it before you listen here is that this has a twist ending that's actually really well done in my opinion that's probably the most effective part of this otherwise very amateur film but so we we will not spoil it until we get to the end okay good but but <laughs> good. we obviously have to talk about the ending because oh my god
1: <laughs> yeah it's a very strange movie i'm glad uh, again i'm glad you told me not to go or not to look up anything about it before going into it because i don't know i had to get up and walk away from my computer as soon as i finished watching it I just stood up and left. <laughs> yeah. I went out for a walk. I was Is like, it, I don't know what to think.
0: It recontextualizes what you know about the world. It's like you, <laughs> like you you finish watching it and you're like, what What have I been doing with my life before I had seen this movie? Like I, <laughs> I, I and like, I truly lived before I had seen this.
1: I feel like I see colors differently, you know? I feel like I hear things differently. now. I hear colors
0: it. now. <laughs> I've been able to hear colors ever since I first saw Sleepaway Camp several years ago.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Anyways,
0: literally, the first frame of this movie is fascinating because it opens with this little title card thing. Or it's not a title, but it, it's a, a dedication, which movies typically don't have in the opening. That's like a book thing. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the movie, you might say, in memory of so-and-so who yeah. died during production. But here it opens with, in fond memory of mom, a doer. Which... I suppose this is Director Robert Hiltzig's throwing that in there because he really cared about his mom, and it's it's very strange, and it's all more strange once you actually see the movie. And it's like, is this the kind of movie that you want to dedicate to your mother? <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, <laughs> in terms
0: and, and not even in terms of quality, I'm talking content here. What's yeah. actually in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> we get incredibly over dramatic horror music playing. over shots of an empty abandoned sleepaway camp which is actually a term i had never heard of before i saw this movie but it's a camp that people sleep at in the summer Mm -hmm. so you know and after the credits are done we then meet a couple characters okay so i have to slow down here for a second. When Joe Bob Briggs hosted this movie on the last drive-in marathon on Shudder, he said something that I think is very important. He said, pay extra special attention to the opening scene and to the final scene. And then I, he didn't say this, but I, I think it's more or less implied. The rest of the movie is nonsense to a certain extent. <laughs> but but this opening scene, we've, we've got to go slow because there's a lot of information given to us and we don't realize all of it's important until later. But we meet John, a man of, you know, mid-30s, late 30s, early 40s, who's got his two kids. He's got a young girl and a young boy. They're about four or five. We don't get their names, but they're hanging out on this little sailboat. And then eventually they push him off and the sailboat flips over. Mm -hmm. There is also a water skier. A preteen girl is water skiing with a lifeguard and some girl in the boat. The girl convinces the lifeguard to let her drive the boat, which she had never done before. And then (laughs) obviously things go wrong from here. (laughs) Another man comes out and says to John, the guy who's now in the water because his stupid kids threw him in there. He says like, hey, listen, get ready. The doc's coming over. And then I think it's the girl says to John, like Aunt Martha's coming over yeah and is ricky coming too and then he's like no ricky's with his father stick with us this is all fairly important (laughs) <laughs> and then it's it's the water skier that notices they're about to run over, <laughs> run, run over and decapitate the the poor uh, the poor people near the shore. And she's like screaming for them to stop, but they can't hear her. And they're also not looking at where they're going either. And then once they realize, then they can't turn in time. So they run over John. John is killed. We see him floating lifelessly, and we see a mangled. Life vest, a mangled child's life vest. Yeah. With nobody attached to it. We see a kid from behind them kind of struggling, still alive, but you know. And the water skier screams in utter terror, <laughs> which is pretty <laughs> enjoyable. And then the scene ends. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. initial reactions to this first scene. I feel like we have to go over this after every scene because this movie's great. Because the next scene's almost as baffling.
1: Yeah, well, I, okay. When it opened, I was like, oh, okay, I I understand what's going on here. You know, like a, like a, like a dad and his kids are hanging out.
0: What a fleeting feeling. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, that, that father loves their children like my father never loved me. Uh, no, I'm kidding. He's great. But um, it was just like a normal Your father scene. father was
0: in Black Christmas. He better have loved
1: <laughs> Exactly, yeah. No, I mean, it was just like a normal scene. The thing that really did it for me was the people in the speedboat, where as soon as this camp counselor, lifeguard person lets this teenage girl drive, like, you know, firstly, like, something bad is going to happen. But Oh, se- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but then the secondly, it's like they're the two dumbest people on the planet. <laughs>
0: Yes. Like the most what's she person. saying? <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. <laughs>
1: well, and it's weird because... It they're cuts not to looking them. where they're going. No, like, it cuts to them. They're talking to each other. Like, their faces, like, they're not even looking anywhere remotely where they're going. They're just talking to each other. And then the girl behind them, waterskiing, starts yelling at them. And they're like, huh? Well, what's she saying? Well, I can't hear her. Huh? And they just they keep sp- on looking back at her. And I'm like, what? Then you have, I think... It was either the guy on shore or the father in the water, he yelled or something. And they're still like, huh? And they're like, well, that was weird. And then they just turn and there's like two kids and a father in the water, like 40 feet in front I of them. I also
0: like after they run over the boat or after they run over the sailboat with the two kids and John near it, their speedboat is immediately stopped.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because <laughs> when they cut to the reaction shots, the boat's not moving. So yeah. even though they are going like 50 miles an hour.
1: <laughs> yeah and i just like i don't like that part was weird but I, it, like it made me feel dumb watching it because i was like you know is it just me uh, maybe <laughs> i i'm the only person who looks where i'm driving a boat i don't i don't know
0: well i've yeah. never driven a boat so maybe i would act like this
2: <laughs> I, I i don't know I,
0: it's me. probably a good thing that i have never driven a boat i've driven a jet ski and well, I have a body count associated with that, so <laughs> it's probably more of the same with the boat.
1: <laughs> well <laughs> Well I guess like I guess my first well, I guess what I think about this scene is nothing too ridiculous other than how it plays out. What? Yeah, Everything, is well, I mean, like, everything like about those is ridiculous. I mean, like, I'm, I'm going with it, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just, okay, I'm on board, yeah. I'm going with it. The only thing that's absolutely ridiculous is the two people driving the boat who apparently don't know how to drive. Well,
0: yeah, and and, and we don't know this yet. I'm, and We know it because I'm saying we know it, but we don't realize yet how all those, like, lines when the guy comes out and tells them that the doc's coming over, that that stuff's all really important. Yes. So we don't realize how much information we're actually getting, which is, actually, that's, like... That's like twist ending 101 yeah. to deliver us information in a way that we don't realize we're getting all the information we need.
1: When I heard that line, I was like, what the fuck are they talking about? I, was like, I, I don't know. And then immediately after that, people were run over. So, you know, I was just, I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I'm going with it.
0: That's, Any- that's Anyways, <laughs> eight, eight years later, we meet who this doc person is. And it's Aunt Martha, played by Desiree Gould, giving the most insane performance maybe that I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't know uh, if it's good or bad. She's in her house, and she is readying her two kids, one of them being her niece, for going to camp. Ricky, who we heard from the previous scene, is the Doc's, or Aunt Martha's son. So he's getting ready, and he seems kind of normal, but Aunt Martha's coming off as insane. I, I don't know how to explain it. You, you Again, you need to see the movie. Yeah. And then there's Angela, who's Angela's Ricky's cousin, the survivor of the opening scene. And she doesn't say a word until I looked almost exactly thirty one minutes in. I think it's thirty one <laughs> minutes, two seconds this is her first line. So she's disturbed. we can we can tell that pretty early on. So Aunt Martha, <laughs> Aunt Martha, in a scene that's maybe a little more obvious about how how much information it's giving us, she gives them a couple of notes and she's like these are your physical information you guys can't go to camp without this just be sure to not tell anyone wh- how you got them and uh-huh. then she then she adds even though they know i am a doctor <laughs> which like yeah this is how people talk
1: yeah i uh, yes i don't even know what to think again this was something where as soon as she opened her mouth on screen i was like what is going on what like what is happening she played oh
0: yeah, I mean it's 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 the most confusing performance you've like ever seen.
1: She, yeah, it, it, her performance is like she comes across as really airy, but like heavily yeah, sedated. Yeah, she's at kind the of like time.
0: ditzy and like because, because she's got the little thing, a little uh, string tied to her finger to remind her. And that I guess people who forget things a lot do that. I.
1: I yeah. don't
0: know <laughs> sure yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah why not I, th- I think that's what that was about but then she's just like the way the rhythm of how she speaks is just so off and you think you're seeing the worst performance in movie history mm-hmm. and then again when we get to the end of the movie it makes sense it's still possibly the worst performance in movie history but it makes sense why it's that bad to a certain extent
1: I don't know if the end of the movie justifies the performance, but I mean, you can at least understand. Well, we can talk that about that. Made. I think yeah. it does. Oh, okay. Okay.
0: So following that, we get another incredible scene because all of the kids arrive at camp <laughs> oh, and it's we God, see yeah. it's mostly young kids <laughs> running and they're running Ugh. down a hill. It's immediate chaos from the beginning. People are, the kids are screaming. People are yelling. We see Mel chopping on his cigar. He's the camp owner. And then we also see Ronnie wearing his tight ass shorts and uh, he, he's like this I guess he's like the second in charge I don't know what yeah. his position would be but he's the head counselor maybe anyways they're giving all these kids orders and they just run by and then we meet some of our <laughs> other adults working at the camp oh my God. including Artie the cook who's you know he looks like a creepy old guy and or old you know what I mean and then his, his first line of dialogue is mmm look at all that young fresh chicken <laughs>
1: doesn't it and your you're like
0: wet? oh no what am i watching yeah
1: <laughs>
0: and then it's <laughs> almost the funniest part about this movie is his colleague james earl jones's dad the other like cook is like oh man they don't even know what you are they're too young to even know what you're talking about and he's like there ain't no such thing as being too young you're just too old yeah and then robert earl jones just laughs it off like <laughs>
1: Like, oh, my
0: my colleague and friend is admitting to his pedophilia, and I'm just okay with it. Oh, it's all good in good fun. This scene's just the scene's incredible.
1: I, I want to point out the two worst lines from that whole fucking scene. Because, like, it's incredible, because you're right. Like, it's, it's just, like, how do they it's play It's incredibly
0: off? uncomfortable. Well,
1: yeah, and how do they play off pedophilia like that? You're like, what? <laughs> like—
0: but the yeah n- i mean even like uh, times have changed but i <laughs> <even laughs> think was, this was messed up i, I feel yeah. pretty safe in saying that well yeah I'm and just, then- he's open about it to his <laughs> colleagues yes. and i guess he has reason to be because he knows that they're gonna think he's joking even though he's not
1: yeah and it is so disgusting because the two worst lines in this scene come from what's his name Artie. he goes doesn't it just make your mouth wet and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then and he calls them Baldies. Yeah. And he says, where I come from, we call them Baldies. And you're like, what the fuck am I watching? What is this?
0: And then I, I also love the performance, too, because he's like kind of chewing on like a little, like a thing of wheat or whatever like a long blade of grass and as he's looking at the kids he just kind of like sucks on it in a really creepy way and the camera just lingers on him it's so messed up
1: I yeah no i was i was off put immediately i was like oh my god or put off immediately i guess
0: (laughs) yeah no this is again this movie is something else i have never (laughs) seen a movie that deals with this issue in quite the same way this issue being a horrific crime of pedophilia like no we're just gonna again the, the the fact that it's introduced the second we meet this guy is insane the fact that it's laughed off is insane yeah. Yeah. the fact that we return to it just a couple minutes later is insane everything about this is insane
1: yeah that's uh, yeah i completely agree with you insane
0: <laughs> so ricky then introduces angela to his friend paul He mentions that Angela's really shy and she doesn't talk much and this is her first time really, you know, leaving the house. And then Ricky goes over to try and talk to Judy, who was his, you know, his camp girlfriend last summer. But since she's now allegedly, and I say allegedly because not really, (laughs) but since she's allegedly sprouted tits, she no longer wants to talk to the boys her age and instead talks exclusively to the 30-year-old campers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah because yeah. because this is important we've got your 12-year-olds i think they're 12 or 13 like Ricky Angela Paul that age group yeah, and yeah. that's what Judy's supposed to be you can tell the actress is a little older and they dress her up to look young with giving her stupid hair and stupid <laughs> wardrobe she even has a shirt that says Judy at one point <laughs> uh, and, and then the older campers who i think are supposed to be like 15 or 16 are like clearly adults yeah like these yeah. are these are, like, some of these guys are probably old enough to run for president. They're definitely old enough to drink.
1: <laughs> Dude, and they've been power lifting for, like, the last 20 years of their life, you know?
0: <laughs> well, the really the really ripped one is Ronnie, so I gotta push back on that at least a bit, because Ronnie, Ronnie <laughs> again... Well, and that's the thing, though. Ronnie doesn't look any older than the older counselor or than than the older campers even though he's a counselor
1: yeah and you know i feel like but. i feel like they try to use like like fake tan or even like real tan to make people look older you know what i mean like ronnie is like tanned like he's like a different
0: i i think that's just him i think this is just like a long island bodybuilder dude who just <laughs> sp- like the actor i think that's what he is yeah. i mean he's got that really strong accent like <laughs> they're just right. people like that i think that's just who he is because these guys aren't like most of them aren't like real actors the guy who plays mel is actually a real actor and i assume robert earl jones is an actor because his son is which speaking of which the day we're recording this anyways james earl jones's 90th birthday so
1: oh my god, it's impressive wow happy birthday
0: and this episode won't be out for a few weeks so this will be meaningless
1: (laughs) well hold on now before before we move on i also want to point out the guy who played mel i totally like kellen is the name when i first saw him, i thought that was hugh hefner like an older Hugh like you know what i mean i was like that guy looks like like a like a like a less rich Hugh Hefner a poorer Hugh Hefner okay
0: well mike kellen might give my favorite performance in this movie like he's not necessarily that it's good but it's just like <laughs> incredible but also like i just i think they nailed that character like yeah. he looks like such classic old guy who (laughs) i i I don't know he's just he's just like perfect for the part he's just this old guy who doesn't know what he's talking about can't relate to the kids in any way
1: i also like that he doesn't give a shit he's like "Ah, i don't care oh yeah he's
0: he's the um he's the jaws mayor is he really that well no that's basically what his character is oh because (laughs) once people start dying he's just like oh you know we got to keep this camp open like like that's what his character is no, he's not the Josmere. The Josmere is Murray Hamilton.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about it for a second, I was like, No, he isn't. Uh yeah, you're right. That's that's his role in this movie.
0: So Angela goes to her cabin and just immediately stares at Judy and Judy and Judy starts yelling at her, like, yo, what's your problem? Why are you staring at me? And then Meg. <laughs> yeah. Who's the one of two counselors in this uh, in this cabin? I guess she's kind of the head of the cabin. Walks up to Judy, who she's probably known for a few years, because Judy's been there before. And she's just like, "Oh, looks like we got a real winner here, or something." Like, so this person just openly making fun of fun of Angela with one of the counselors, and the the other counselor, I don't recall her name, but she's nice to Angela she's one of like two people who are nice i think it's her and ronnie are like the only nice people in this movie everyone else it should be stated is basically insane people are so (laughs) angry in this movie it's incredible my favorite instance of which is the is the lifeguard which we'll get to later
2: yeah
1: (laughs) but
0: everyone is just constantly angry and screaming and swearing it's just again it's unlike anything you've seen before
1: yeah, it's almost like the whole movie is like somebody just set up a like a camcorder in front of like a, a playground of totally rambunctious kids on like a sugar high or something. You know what I mean? Like everybody just... Well, and, and by yelling.
0: kids, you mean also 35-year-old yes, yes, course, adults yeah. too.
1: Yeah, of course. Well, like, and there's even a scene uh, later on in the movie when Angela's walking down a dock, and all these like younger kids playing in the sand just pick up their like shovels full of sand and just start chucking it at her as like she's walking by, and you're like, "What the yeah. fuck is going on?"
0: Every everyone hates Angela immediately <laughs> when they meet her. Everyone except for obviously Ricky because he's known her for years, and Paul, and then this other counselor that I mentioned, and I guess Ronnie. Yeah, because Ronnie's a good guy. Yeah, Ronnie's but everyone else just for. hates her. <laughs> Anyways, the next scene is at lunch in the cafeteria and we see there's just hundreds of people. This is like a huge camp. Meg goes up to Mel, the camp owner, to complain about how Angela won't eat anything. And then Ronnie goes to try and help. And he's like, hey, Angela, let's take you back to talk to the chef. Maybe he'll be able to make something you like. Maybe we'll have some like ice cream or something. And (laughs) of course, that's the last place you want to take a young kid (laughs) because she comes face to face with Artie the pedophile guy mm-hmm. he even just his line delivery here it's like if i'm ronnie i, I don't feel comfortable leaving a kid with that guy, <laughs> no but, no exactly but he's like oh yeah i've got something for you real good and he takes her inside the pantry and he's unbuckling his belt and yeah. then it's interrupted when ricky comes in uh goes like what the hell's wrong with you and he takes angela and they run away but he also uh Artie also threatens him and is like you can't Say a word about this to anybody, <laughs> and then, so they get the fuck out of there.
1: The thing that was amazing about that scene was how fast this pedophile works. You know, like oh yeah, I <laughs> he mean, met her, and ten seconds later, he was undoing his pants in the in the pantry. And you are like,
0: what? Yeah, what? I mean, I am not, I am not an expert on pedophilia, but I, but I would imagine <laughs> there is usually a bit more of a, of a A bit more wooing involved, a bit of like a building up, trust. You know, yeah, but anyways, this this is how Artie works, and he almost gets away with it. The next scene, Artie is boiling a giant bowl of water. Like we're talking about, like a bowl like the size of him. Just about a giant pot. And he's of water. standing on a pot of water. Excuse me. And he's standing on top of a chair. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then someone. This is one of those like the original Friday the Thirteenth. This is one of those movies where we don't see the killer because it's a mystery. <sighs> yeah. So someone comes in and pulls the chair out from under him, and he 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 recognizes the person through the dialogue you can tell that he knows who this person is and they pull the chair out so he falls into the giant pot and spills it all over himself and then is just blistering to not not to death he actually doesn't die here but this no, he's is a pretty like screaming gross the makeup effect yeah. oh he's screaming it goes on for so long i i had to when i watched this movie a couple of times i had to turn the volume down at this scene it's just like he's screaming so loudly <laughs> Ugh. And Robert Earl Jones comes in and is horrified by what he sees because, it, it I mean, it is great makeup effects. It's disgusting. He's got these, like, blisters forming on his body that actually change, not just from shot to shot, but even in the shots himself, like, depending on mm-hmm. how much his jaw is dropped. Like, it's its nasty.
1: It's, it's definitely disgusting.
0: They, they bandage him up in the kitchen for some reason. And then, and then the cop takes him away and the cop's talking to Mel and Ronnie, the two people in charge. And they're like, okay, you know, he's really badly burned. And it's like, okay, wouldn't have guessed that? <laughs> yeah. And then,
1: yeah, I think he says, what's the prognosis, doctor? He's like, well, he's severely yeah, burned. he's like, it's well, like, yeah, as far as I can tell,
0: he's badly burned, <laughs> like, or something like that. <laughs> Mel then talks to the other kitchen staff, which is like two like kids, like 17, 18-year-old kids. It's tough to tell ages in this movie. Maybe they're supposed to be 14. I don't know and robert earl jones and he says like listen you guys won't say anything about this to anybody and i'll give you guys a raise and they're like oh okay cool Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah
1: the whole like scene where the pot is knocked over onto uh that's another thing where it's like he knows like i'm just imagining myself in that situation where i'm on a chair you have
0: to go out of your way to fall the way he did yeah yeah like and and he's in almost no danger
1: no, and it's not like he was, like, leaning super far over the pot. And then he his chair gets bumped once. He's like, whoa, what do you do? What are you doing that for? And instead of, like, stepping off of the chair and turning around, he grabs onto, like, a shelf behind
0: the pot. Yeah, which that's <laughs> then, just setting yourself and up he for stands disaster there. at that point.
1: Yeah, and he stands there for, like, the next 30 seconds. like, stop shaking the chair, why don't you? Hey, stop it. You're going to knock me over. You know, this is boiling water here. Oh! <laughs> then knocks the pot over. You're like, what the fuck is going on? Is everybody in this movie stupid? Ugh
0: kind of i mean they're they're insane but there's some dumb people here too (laughs) so after ricky who's kind of more or less kind of the leader he's the cool guy of his cabin they they do like a face in the butt prank on this nerdy kid mozart they have to play a baseball game against the older campers who again i think they're like 15 16 but they're well into their 20s at least And they're playing this game, and this scene goes on forever, but it's probably my favorite scene in the movie, just because it's so pointless. I mean, it doesn't (laughs) do anything. (laughs) This really feels like a, like a, we had extra time, you know, our movie was running short, and these, all these kids and grown-ass men are hanging out at the camp, and so let's just shoot shoot them as they play baseball or something, but it's... (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's exactly There's, some the great tra- There's some great trash talking here, a lot of swearing. Ricky has one of the foulest mouths you've ever heard, and he has my favorite <laughs> line of the movie. When uh, the other guy, the guy wearing the USC shirt, I think, tells him, mm-hmm. you know, eat shit and die, Ricky, and he responds, eat shit and live, Bill. <laughs> yeah. and it's like, that line is incredible. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that great. was improv, and he like couldn't think of something better, but I kind of hope it was scripted. <laughs> Anyways, one of my favorite parts of this scene, too, is... There's a scene where there's a fly ball into right center field, and Mozart is playing right field, of course, and he's, like, playing his, like, electronic boxing game or something. Yeah. And they're like, hey, hey, Mozart, go catch it. And he's like, oh, shit, and he drops the game, and then he goes, and he just catches it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what's the point of that? The scene's so tense, (laughs) and it's completely
1: meaningless. I just don't understand the whole scene. Just kind of like what you're bringing up. Like, I don't even want to say it's definitely, like, a time filler, because I don't think it is like i feel i feel like they're just like hey let's show that people play at this camp you know and you're right though there's like so much like useless stuff within that scene i don't know i don't know i'm just yeah. so confused I, by it
0: oh yeah it's confusing and then this is also one of the joys of this movie is how awful the clothing is like the fashion is just <laughs> insane yeah. this is like your the 80s were a mistake movie and this is <laughs> probably the best example I mentioned earlier with Ronnie because he's got incredibly short incredibly tight sh- shorts. Ronnie's not in this scene, but the counselor for the younger kids is wearing a cut-off shirt that like it's it's not even midriff, it's like whole riff. It's like Oh, dude, I love cut, it. it. It's like cut off from the nipples down just about. Yeah. It is like the yeah. shortest shirt I have ever seen. Like she it might would be one of my favorite I mean, characters. He he doesn't have a lot to do in the movie. I wish I wish we saw more of him. I don't even remember his name. Anyways, yeah, this scene's great. I think the USC shirt is like a cutoff, like with midriff too. But at any rate, this scene ends. The little kids win. They win this game, this competitive athletic game against the older kids. (laughs) But the older kids promise that they'll get them back. Cut to we're at the main cabin hall, whatever. People are just kind of hanging out. And the older boys slash men, want to get a skinny dipping session going but <laughs> they, but the they have 15 guys and no they have 15 guys and no women at this point so two of the people decide to go jokingly ask angela to come with them and because she hasn't said a word yet this movie when they talk to her she just kind of stares at them and they get really angry at her and just start screaming at each other and this starts a fight with ricky and paul who walk in ricky's wearing this dope-ass cowboy hat for no reason <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he just strolls in. He's wearing this cowboy hat. Just like I, I, appreciate the confidence of that child actor to be wearing that cowboy hat in this scene. But he they get in a physical in like he was fight.
1: Fucking John Wayne. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> but anyways, they get they get in a fight. It's broken up by the counselor you mentioned you liked and mm-hmm. Mel. And then Paul goes to talk to Angela. And, you know, she's not saying anything at first. And he's saying, like, oh, you know, Ricky and I always get in trouble and, you know, whatever. As he's leaving, he says, good night, Angela. And then she responds, again, 31 minutes into the movie. She says, <laughs> good night. And then he's like, he gets so excited and he leaves. Then we get the skinny dipping scene, which it is 15 men <laughs> jumping in there, so <laughs> jumping great. in the water. All right, it might be 13 men because two of them are off getting high. They're going to play a prank on some other women.
1: I like this scene so much. This group of guys go up to, like, three or four girls, like, standing on the beach. And they're like, are you sure you don't want to join? And they're like, yeah, no, we're good, thanks. They're like, come on, are you sure? And they're like, yeah. And they're like, well, fuck you then. We're going to do it. Yeah, guys, come on, yeah. And all these guys are, like, getting pumped about skinny dipping with each other. Yeah, they do it with, like, like, like yeah, a they man. do it with
0: like a we'll show them attitude. But, like, really, <laughs> yeah. you're just a bunch of naked like, Who men are you jumping showing? into the water.
1: Yeah, you're just showing each other your cocks. That's all you're doing. Just stop it. Why are you getting so excited? they're showing showing each other
0: their water snakes
1: oh yeah yeah there you go
0: (laughs) because the two guys the two guys that asked angela to go skinny dipping hit on two of the women and and they agree to go on little canoe rides with them even though they're like 99 percent certain there's going to be some kind of prank which there is because one of the guys tips over the canoe and he's talking about like oh you there might be water snakes in here snapping turtles and so the girl swims back to shore and this is when you realize they're about eight feet from shore they're like super close (laughs) and then he's just this other guy is just kind of hanging around underneath the tipped boat like in the little air bubble there and then someone (laughs) swims up and he's like oh hey it's you what are you doing here oh i bet the boys would be interested in seeing you Mm -hmm. and then that person drowns him and this is when you get the idea that (laughs) this is like the lamest way of killing people almost every death scene in this movie the killer who we don't see I mean, we see the back of their head here, but we we don't know who it is. The killer shows up, and almost every person who's about to be killed is like, oh, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> like, they all die being, like, like, just, like, they're not at all threatened. They're just like, oh, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's, it gets repetitive, but it's pretty great. Because the deaths themselves aren't repetitive. They're all weird and interesting for the most part
1: i will say that this is the death that i mean like the makeup coming up soon related to relating to this death was great but the death itself was really boring because this. oh yeah i mean drowning
0: is never that exciting in well no but it was the the best
1: because like the guy's head gets pushed underwater and then he has one hand that comes up and it just stays there for like three seconds (laughs) and then it cuts a little
0: silly (laughs) so anyways cut two in the morning When the angriest person in the entire movie, and that is saying something, the lifeguard is cleaning up. He's just like screaming about like all these kids leaving their crap around the beach. (laughs) And then he looks over at the canoe and he's like, how the hell did that get there? Which, (laughs) Which might be my favorite line delivery of the movie. And he goes and he flips over the canoe and that's when he finds the guy's body with a snake crawling out of his mouth, which is really neat. Mm -hmm. it's a pretty gruesome scene i mean let's ignore the fact that it's a complete ripoff of a bay of blood but they did it with like an octopus instead of a snake but it's the same kind of thing
1: (laughs) i paused the movie the second time i was watching it and i thought why i was like this makeup looks really great it's pretty grisly and just gross but i thought
0: there are some surprisingly good effects in this movie makeup effects there's one kill that actually looks really good it's an it's an effect skill
1: Well, I was wondering, though, I was like, if you can have a guy on makeup who's making this look that good, what the fuck is going on with the rest of your movie? You know, how did you get one good, like, one great artist to do their job, but you couldn't find, like, anybody else? That's a fair (laughs)
0: question. You couldn't find competent actors to deliver their lines or anything. That's a fair (laughs) question, yeah. Because you'd think, like, makeup is, like, I don't know if it's literally the hardest thing to do in a movie. I mean, I know it's not easy. But, like, if you want to do anything more complicated than just splashing a bucket of blood here or there, it's going to take some time. Whereas, like, acting, like, go to, like, a college theater program. You're going to find better people than you get in this movie for the most part. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, after this, the cop is back and he's talking to Mel and Ronnie. Again, it's, like, the same scene. And Mel's like, oh, so it was obviously an accident. You know, the boy hit his head and then drowned. And then he's like, we'll have to do an autopsy to be sure. And then <laughs> R- Ronnie raises suspicions because he says to the cop, and I like this line he's like, I don't know. I remember that kid being a pretty good swimmer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah as if as if that refutes what Melod said like if he hits his head and gets knocked out i mean that's not what happened but if he hits his head and gets knocked out it doesn't matter how good a swimmer he is <laughs> exactly. if he's in water he's gonna drown but no i totally agree with you i also like the
1: cop in this scene because after Ronnie delivers that because line, he
0: has a real mustache in this scene
1: e- wait what
0: he has a real mustache in the scene later on when he shows up it's a very very fake mustache. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought it a and he gets cop. he gets
0: more close ups with the fake mustache than he does with the real one too. It's almost like <laughs> yeah. they want you to notice. <laughs> They're
1: like, "Hey, look at this new fake mustache we just bought for 30 bucks." He gets a lot of close ups with that. It's <laughs> insane.
0: Like, yeah. why would you do that? Shoot him! Shoot him in shadow or something.
1: Uh, yeah, no, it's great. Well, I mean, and there's also after Ronnie delivers this line, he's like, oh, "I thought he was a pretty good swimmer." Uh, or I remember him being a pretty good swimmer. The cop goes, ah, and then gets in his car. <laughs> what the like? <laughs> <the laughs> What's all the acting in this movie? What is this? Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think weird... I could do a better job.
0: I'm just confused by it. Oh, I could do a better job than most people in this movie. I feel pretty <laughs> confident saying that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I'm gonna do better than than Mike Kellen, who's just giving it his all as he's just screaming at kids and grabbing them and threatening them. But I, I, I could do a better job than than Aunt Martha, I guess. <laughs> Even though like I said, we'll we'll revisit this. That performance makes more sense at the end of the movie. Which you still disagree with me on, but
1: Yeah, well, you know.
0: So the girls' cabin then plays volleyball with Angela not playing, she just sits and watches paul comes up and starts talking to her and he asks her to join him at you know the movie night thing and she's like oh i thought we were all supposed to go to that and he's like well yeah but i was hoping if you could come with me and then (laughs) then judy gets really angry and we haven't seen much of judy recently Mm -hmm. judy's like how come angela gets to talk to the boys And then Meg goes up there and yin, like yells at her, and is like, "If you're not going to participate in our activities, at least sit there and shut the fuck up." Like she doesn't swear at her, like she's that, like, but... "Why are you
1: talking to boys? You can talk to yeah. boys. You can play volleyball." And you're like, "What? What is going on?" Yeah. And
0: then the and then the other again, the other counselor is trying to defuse the situation. She's like, "Oh, she was just talking to a guy. Like it's no big deal." <laughs> she's like the one rational person in this movie. Yeah. So after the movie night thing, Paul walks Angela back to her cabin and gives her a little goodnight kiss, which she seems kind of excited about it, but she's not sure how to react. But like, Paul is like, Paul loves it. But I, I actually, I like the performance by Paul here. He he comes off as like a boy who's in love for the first time, or like having a crush for like the first time. I think he's pretty believable there. Yeah, he's a cute kid. You sound like the the cook. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh.
0: And then the next day, <laughs> everyone's at the beach, and Angel's, again, just sitting there. And Meg comes up to her and starts talking to her. And when she just doesn't say anything, she starts violently shaking her and, like, threatening her. This this scene's incredible, too. Meg flies off the handles so quickly. It's great. And then that's... <laughs> <laughs> That's broken up by um I think Ronnie comes in and is like, What's yeah. wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, it is Ronnie. i was like, leave her alone, get get out of here, go back to your pose. <laughs> it's just a strange scene, yeah,
1: it's almost like there's something in the water at this camp, you know, like people are just so irrational. It's great. I love every second of it.
0: every single character in this movie badly needs therapy, <laughs> and I'm not even sure sh- I'm yeah. not even sure if the killer needs it the most compared to some of these other people, <laughs>
1: uh yeah. <laughs>
0: and i think i think the idea here is to have everyone so crazy and insane and angry that we're supposed to think anyone could be the killer i think yeah. that's the implication that's that's the intent here but like i don't know <laughs> It doesn't really work for me that way.
1: No. Well, especially, I mean, I you know, again, I'm not going to spoil anything, but in the scene where the, the cook is uh, is knocked off his chair, you can see the hands grab the chair and you're like, hmm, that narrows it down
0: to a certain age group, at least. We know it's not the angry lifeguard, is what you're saying.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's not like big, muscular 35-year-old man hands, <laughs> you know?
0: Oh Yeah. It's not, it's not Ronnie either. Well, again, Ronnie is one of the two good people here, so it'd be weird if he was the killer. I'm tempted to say Paul's a good guy, but there's some character assassination in the second half of the movie where where Paul, <laughs> you know, there's a 180 with Paul. Mm-hmm. So back at the cabin, Judy freaks out at Angela.
1: <laughs> I like this too. And, and
0: she <laughs> she insults her body, saying she's a real carpenter's dream, flat as a board, and needs a <laughs> screw.
1: <laughs> that Which might be I, one of my favorite insults I've ever heard.
0: <laughs> it's an incredible line. I is that like a. A pre-existing line like not that it's from a movie but i kind of get the impression that's like a a well-known kind of joke but i don't know i've only heard it in this movie
1: i feel like that's something a grandfather would say you know in like a dirty grandfather joke yeah you're you're (laughs) something the cook would say
0: (laughs) oh ew Yeah, and, and she, she gets angry at her initially because she notices that Angela never showers with them. And she's like, well, she showering in the morning. We all shower at night. And then she's like, oh, she must be queer or something. And then that's, <laughs> the that's how she starts what? insulting her body. And then the other, the, the good counselor steps in and is trying to, again, diffuse the situation. And then Judy just yells, fuck off at her. And then she slaps Judy in the face and she immediately regrets it. <laughs> That's a, that's a really fun moment this this scene also with uh, Judy the actress playing Judy I don't remember her name. she is incredible in this scene. She is mm-hmm. overacting the hell out of it. she's acting it with her eyes yeah her, the way she enunciates to the her eyes and her mouth are just so, so extreme in this scene how yeah, she's yeah. Just, all this facial acting it's really great stuff.
1: Well it's, it's like it's like pure anger or something you're seeing for no reason. And you're like, what? what is going on? For
0: mostly no reason, yeah. No, actually, no, for entirely no reason. Judy doesn't have a reason well, she, to have beef here. Yeah, She really well, doesn't. Like, I was thinking maybe got, she does.
1: Yeah, she's also like, you got Meg in trouble? It's like, no. <laughs> she assaulted oh, yeah, a kid. Oh, yeah, that's
0: right. Yeah, no, Meg started shaking her like a psychopath. Yeah, Meg got yeah, herself Yeah, she going to give
1: her, like, shaken baby syndrome or whatever it is.
0: So Angela's walking over to see Ricky when she gets hit <laughs> with a water balloon thrown by, I think the guy with the USC shirt from earlier. He's hanging around on top of a roof with younger kids. Like they look like they're in the Ricky age group, but I think they're supposed to be in this guy's age group. Again, the, the 30-year-old <laughs> campers. And... uh Ricky sees this and goes on an incredible rant of throw, slinging curse words every which way. And then this is when Mel steps in and breaks it up. And he actually punishes everyone involved here except for Angela. So he punishes Ricky for his filthy mouth.
1: Well, there's also this kid too who looks like nine, maybe ten, you know? He's yeah. Like on the roof with them. Yeah, that's a, he's, yeah, like he's, like he's out of place in that,
0: in that group. He should be in yeah. Ricky's cabin. Maybe he's trying to impress the older kids. I don't know.
1: Yeah, flip, flip he's trying to get two. them to
0: get these guys that own their own business to give him a job or something. <laughs> Can I work There's at your 35-year-old <laughs> entrepreneurs. So the water balloon thrower, the guy who had the USC shirt on earlier, I don't believe he's wearing a shirt at this point, he goes to take, quote, a wicked dump. And so he goes over <laughs> into the bathroom, which, I mean, this is classic, like, summer camp. The bathrooms are their own separate building. Mm-hmm. Although not the showers. I mean, there are showers that are separate, but there's a scene. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, Anyways, he goes in there, and then someone bolts the doors from the outside, like putting, like, a stick through them. A stick that looks super thin, by the way, and easily breakable. Yeah. But that doesn't matter. (laughs) And then the killer cuts a hole in the screen that's, like, above Mm -hmm. the toilet stall from the outside and (laughs) drops in a beehive. (laughs) This this kill took some imagination. Yeah. I I like (laughs) And he's he's attacked and he's trying to get out, but he can't because he's locked in. And he eventually breaks through the door, but it's when he's dead, you know, his face covered in bees.
1: Well, this kill I think is really interesting and it's cool and the makeup too. Like all these giant welts and like blisters on his body from the bee stings. They all look Mm -hmm. amazing. But this is another makeup
0: is surprisingly good in this movie.
1: Yeah, which again, how come they couldn't get anybody else good? This is, again, another one of those kills where it's like, what the fuck was that guy doing shitting? Because like, he's, like, somebody's cutting well, I mean, sometimes
0: you just have to go. Well, like, no, what's but- his problem? <laughs> no. I don't understand the complaint here.
1: No, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, sometimes you gotta go. You can't hold it. But no, when somebody's cutting Jeff through the Goldblum screen. Jeff
0: Goldblum put it best in Jurassic Park. When you gotta go, you gotta go.
1: But, uh, no, I mean, he's sitting there taking a dump and somebody's cutting through the screen. And he's like, hey, who is that? What are you doing? Is that so-and-so? Why don't you just turn around? Why don't you just look up? Like it wasn't that far above his
0: head, right? Somebody yeah. tries to put or, like or when he or when he's trapped and he's being attacked by bees. Why not crawl under the stall?
1: Yeah, or jump out <laughs> the already broken screened-in window.
0: You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, you know, th- this is this is an incredibly avoidable death, at any rate. But it didn't. I look mean, don't get good. me wrong. It he's coming away camera. with some severe wounds with the bee stings, but he'll make it. So, yeah, at this point, Mel is worried that his camp is going to be shut down because he's like, no one's going to send their kids here now. And, and you're wondering, why did it take him this long? <laughs> <laughs> but he's talking this over with Ronnie. And this is when he mentions, he's like, he says something like, I think I know who's behind all this. Yeah. And you're like, what? what's he talking about? And Ronnie's like, what are you doing, man? Because like, cause at this point, he suspects Ricky is doing the killing. And. Yeah. If you're watching this, you might be suspecting that, too. I think there's basically two suspects, and Ricky's one of them.
1: He's definitely, like, one of the angriest people, if not the angriest person.
0: I uh, See, I, I don't think camp. you can. I mean, there's so many. I don't think you can measure him with some of the other people. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Meg like, like for, violently for shakes a 12-year-old just because she doesn't answer a question. <laughs> yeah. Paul and Angela go to the lake, and they're kind of making out. And he starts to try and unbutton her shirt. Which, you know, again, they're 12. It's a little weird. And then Angela has a flashback. And this is the <laughs> s- may- probably the strangest scene in the movie. There's a lot of strange stuff here, but this is up there. Yeah. So we have a flashback to those two kids from the opening scene. Two kids, one of whom was killed, and the boy and the girl. And they're spying on their father, who is having sex with... The other witness to his death, remember, their father died in the opening scene. The other guy, the guy that said, you know, come on, the doc's coming over. That guy and John, the father. And then, I mean, I mean, that itself is like, okay, it's weird. Then it gets weirder. We get this scene, and this is all done with, like, a black backdrop. A bl- like, there's a very minimalist set design here. Mm-hmm. Then we get the two kids in bed with each other. They're sitting up. It's not as creepy as, you know, were they doing what? the two adults were doing but then it almost becomes more creepy because the boy <laughs> you know what i mean No? i mean it's yeah it's, no, i agree with you i totally scene. agree with you the boy points his finger at the girl at at her chest, give or take, like, you know, in that ballpark mm-hmm. region area. And while this is happening, like the camera is spinning around or the bed's spinning around. So it's kind of dis- disoriented. It's going slowly, but it's like switching. Like sometimes the backboard's here, sometimes it's there. And it goes on and on. And as this is going on, the boy's finger gets closer and closer to his sister. Yeah. And then the scene ends and Angela yells for Paul to stop and she runs off.
1: The flashback is just this super strange thing that feels as out of place. Actually, I guess probably more out of place in the baseball game. But it's yeah, also not
0: filler. Like, the baseball scene is filler. This has something. It corresponds to what we're seeing around it. It's out of place in terms of the presentation because it's this, like, all black, you know, black stage, black backdrop. Like, that's weird. It feels—I it, mean, again, it's a flashback, but it's shot as if it's, like, a dream or if it's, like— angela's imagination which it's not supposed to be at least i don't think
1: yeah because actually now that you bring that up i mean uh, you know i don't want to get too into it but maybe it's supposed to be like a dream or like a like um i I can't say anything else without saying anything else about the movie so i'll just leave it till yeah we can
0: we can revisit this scene because this is a scene that's we don't understand its full importance until the ending yeah and then we still don't really understand its full importance but it's but it seems a little bit more important i guess so anyways the next day during capture the flag judy starts making out with paul explicitly to get angela jealous angela sees Mm -hmm. it and she's pissed off and ricky's like you know you're messed up judy what's wrong with you and i mean she is because this is an uncomfortable scene too because i mean the actress who plays judy again they try their hardest to make her look like she's like in that 12 year old age group but the actress is like 17 or 18 and you can tell (laughs) yeah like, they give her the, the side ponytail kind of thing, which just looks terrible. Yeah, and they give yeah. her the, the high-waisted shorts, which I think are supposed to make her look younger. But really, it just makes her look like she's modern day because those are kind of back. And, I mean, the, the shirt that says Judy, which she's wearing when she plays volleyball, they're, they're that, I don't know what to say. I mean,
1: That's my favorite <laughs> again, because the it wardrobe. reminded me of what her name was. If I was given a shirt like that, I would treasure it for the rest of my life, knowing I was in some strange and terrible and terribly good whatever movie.
0: But anyways, in the grand scheme of scenes that make you feel uncomfortable in this movie, like a 17 or 18-year-old actress making out with like a 13 or 14-year-old actor, it's worth noting, but, you know, yeah. it's no Artie the Cook. You know? <laughs> we call them Could them be worse, I guess. <laughs> so later at the beach, Paul apologizes to Angela. He, I mean, he already apologized to her at the catch the flag, but he just keeps needing to apologize. He apologizes to her later in the movie, too. But he's like, hey, yeah, sorry, I don't know what happened. Like, it wasn't my fault. And then Meg and Judy come over. And Meg, with the encouragement of Judy, picks up Angela and throws her in the water. (laughs) This is, again, just like, what the hell? And while this is happening, Ricky sees it happening. And he's trying to go help. But Mel, again, who suspects him of doing all the killing, grabs him and is like, you're you're always there. You're always looking out for her. Like, what if you took it too far or something? And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Let me go. (laughs) what are
1: you <laughs> talking about old man
0: <laughs> yeah which is an appropriate reaction <laughs> yeah mel, mel's great mel's awesome
1: and it's a great shot because like you can see like ricky and mel arguing and then directly in between them in the far background <laughs> is like angela being hauled off down this oh yeah it's stalk. it's
0: surprisingly <laughs> yeah. good composition for a movie like this again a movie that that was made for a few thousand dollars <laughs> made very amateurishly every now and then they throw in something that looks pretty cool whether Mm -hmm. it's the makeup effects or the occasional interesting shot (laughs) yeah one including (laughs) one of the most interesting shots ever i will say at the end so later that night meg has the night off so celebrating her night off she goes to see mel and is like hey you know that date you promised me like i'm free tonight and you're like what the fuck (laughs) <laughs> this yeah. this dude's this dude's in his 60s maybe older i mean he looks older honestly as I, I believe the actor died not too long after this movie i think he had cancer while they were shooting it and meg is this <laughs> oh like God. attractive like 18 19 year old girl like why is she trying to hook up with it and she's into it she's like more excited about this than mel is even though mel apparently initiated it at some point like a week ago yeah. or whatever and so she's going to get ready. She goes back to the cabin and she's like all happy. And she's like, I've got a date tonight. And then Judy's like, with who? And she's like, I'm not going to tell. And, then, and like, I, and I'm like waiting for like, is when does the shame kick in? It should be yeah. here, right? <laughs> but no, she's yeah. still excited. And she goes yeah. again. This is when I say that there are showers in the cabin because she she gets ready to shower, but there's a line, so she has to go to a different building to shower. And while she's there, she's like kind of humming in the shower, and she gets stabbed from behind, like through a wall. It's not like a shower curtain; it's a wall. Mm-hmm. But this person holding a knife scrapes the knife down, just keeps. And you're thinking like, just lean forward, Meg. <laughs> <I know laughs> lean I forward, can't. like uh, just a little yeah. bit. There's a lot of blood that comes out, and then, anyways, that's she's she's killed that way. Like most of her back is like split open, and then the killer like kind of washes the knife in the shower, but not really. Like they pull the knife away, and you, yeah, you still you still see some blood on it, and then they shut the shower off, (laughs) and it's like okay, that was a scene. (laughs) So Paul then again apologizes to angela and she tells him to meet her at the waterfront after some kind of social that they have and that's kind of just that scene and then yeah and then judy's going back to her cabin with some guy one of the 30 year old campers and then mel is off looking for meg because she was supposed to meet him like an hour ago and he first goes to their cabin almost stumbles upon judy having sex with this guy but she hides him and is like hey have you seen meg and she's like, no, last time I saw her, she was going to get showered. And so Mel goes back to the shower, the sh- the other building, the shower. And <laughs> it's like the second he walks into the area, the body just <laughs> falls. Like it was just being held up until until yeah. he was there.
1: It was like perfectly balanced, you know?
0: <laughs> and then one of the best scenes of the movie is Mike Kellen it just goes in a monologue, and the, the music is swelling. The music's super loud. It's actually hard to understand some of the some of his lines here. But when <laughs> he first sees her, he's like, "Oh my God, not you, Meg!" <laughs> Which I love again, classic line delivery. That, that, and the how the hell did that get there? Probably my two favorite line deliveries. Yeah, they're great. And he just goes on and he's like, he did this. He did this. I had him and I let him go. Like, he's just <laughs> doing funny things with his voice. Like,
2: yeah,
0: it's just great. This is, And this is like, this is a hard scene for an actor to, to act because. Because he's basically just delivering exposition, but he's supposed to do it while he's mourning the death of someone. Like it's, it's a hard scene to pull off, and I think I think Mike Kellen does a fine job. But it is a, it is a funny scene.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it could have <laughs> fallen to lesser actors, and they would have made it way worse.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I would like to see Ronnie attempt this though. Yeah, oh, to plays Ronnie with his like thick New York accent. Like, I, I'm I'm not even going to attempt an accent. I don't know. I don't know how I would do that. But anyways.
1: He, by the way, he's the best dressed in this whole movie with his like short shorts on over his like tree trunk thighs and like oh these, absolutely tiny but but they
0: <laughs> but that one guy with the extreme cutoff shirt was pretty impressive too the oh yeah other I like counselor that. I mean there's a lot of great clothing here and Judy with the Judy shirt yeah yeah well the first you know, classics it- there
1: speaking of judy i want to go back for a second i like that scene where she brings that guy back to her cabin and she starts making out with him because you realize oh judy isn't just a bitch to angela she's a bitch to everybody and like she's making out with this guy and she's like "Oh god you have to kiss so wet he's like oh sorry (laughs) like i get it i get it yeah (laughs) but you're like oh yeah oh i think i know what you're
0: talking about i think that i think that line is there to say that like i think I mean, Judy's supposed to be like a slut. I think we're supposed to be thinking like, oh, she's got experience with this. The other guys don't. She's like this 12-year-old who sleeps around. (laughs) I think that's why that's there. She's this 12-year-old who's sleeping with a 30-year-old. Wow,
1: yeah, good for her.
0: Because she gets a fitting death. Yes. The The only way to kill a slut... (laughs) <laughs> is to shove a curling iron in her vagina. <laughs> One huh. of the strangest scene scenes ever. It's actually it's it's shot in shadow. There's actually a scene that kind of ruins the mystery here. And I this this is a movie that more so than almost any other movie we've seen deserves to be played at a drive-in theater. It's just like that's just where this belongs. Yeah, you don't want to watch this movie indoors. You have no. problems if you watch this movie indoors. Which <laughs> yeah, you with know, the I've curtains watched closed. It you know. Of times. <laughs> yeah yeah you don't want other people (laughs) you want you want the anonymity of just being in your car (laughs) because you're ashamed Uh. while you watch it but anyways in this scene when the killer enters judy's cabin again there's that classic oh it's you what do you want that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but we do see a shot Uh, we see two different shots of the killer One of them, you can tell who it is. The other one, you can't that well. And it's just a difference of of where the actor playing the killer is hiding. Mm -hmm. And in the shot where you can see that it's very clearly the actor playing Ricky, but he's wearing a wig. Uh And then in the other shot, you can't really tell who it is. You can tell they have longer hair. And the reason I say this is meant to be seen at your drive, and I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but this scene in particular, you are not supposed to be able to tell who the killer is, I think. It well it n- not even i think i know <laughs> because yes. spoilers yeah. ricky isn't the killer <laughs> 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 we learn yeah. that soon enough we'll get there so th- so this scene kind of ruins the mystery of the movie a bit if you if you see it because i'm I'm not watching this movie on blu-ray i'm watching this on shutter and you you can tell who it is so it's like yeah, yeah. Dude,
1: i watched this by the way i watch this on tubi i love tubi uh that's it there's promo for tubi right there <laughs>
0: So then there's uh, this other kind of weird scene where there's, like, some counselor is taking, like, little kids out camping, kind of for no reason, and and he steps away for a bit, and then the kids are killed, and, he, and it's like, what? What is this? And then when we find out who the killer is, it doesn't make sense, but whatever. It's I guess oh, it's just I, another way to have more dead people.
1: It does make sense, because all those kids were—oh, uh, you know, never mind, I'll, I'll bring it up again at the end.
0: Okay, I think I know where you're going with that i i do know where you're going with that but but okay anyways <laughs> there's a little bit of motivation behind it not to enough to have a tiny Definitely bit of enough. motivation just a tiny yeah. bit <laughs> just be mildly mildly annoyed with someone and they can kill <laughs> them it's uh that's uh, it's like that's like the charles bronson in the death wish sequels that's <laughs> that's all the motivation he has <laughs> so then in a very exciting scene mel grabs ricky Takes him in the woods and just starts beating the shit out of him, screaming at him. And Ricky's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And it's this 70-year-old man. Old man kicking the shit out of a 12-year-old. It's great. It's fantastic yeah. stuff. And then he says something like, uh, I got my revenge for Meg, because he really loved Meg, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and then, anyways, he, he, he uh, wanders into the archery range and then looks up and goes, no. It can't be you. It can't be because he sees the real killer, who's not Ricky. And then he gets an arrow through his throat. And yeah. this is a good effect. This looks really good. Yeah, it does. This is this is this is the kill I mentioned earlier. That like most of the kills are just kind of like the after effects look pretty cool, but this one like no, this one's good. And I like the way the curling iron through the vagina is shot because that's shot in shadow. Yeah, it's on. Untangle- because you don't want to see shadow. that on screen. That's too much.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Like, that's that's a bit too extreme. So now all of the counselors are being alerted to, there's a couple people missing. Paul's missing. Angela's missing. Ricky's missing. And they now know that those kids in their sleeping bags are killed. The kids who there may have been very slight motivation to kill, which we still haven't fully discussed because <laughs> because we can't spoil it yet, even though I believe I know what you're talking about. <laughs> And then, so uh, all the counselors are like splitting up and going and going in groups of two because the cop shows up no longer with a real mustache; it is like a <laughs> painted on. I mean, it's like a, not a painted yeah, on; you're it's right. a taped on mustache. <laughs> and he's the one who discovers. Well, I think someone else discovers Judy's body, and then he goes in and he comes out and he's like looking all solemn and shocked and everything. And we just get a few close-ups of him. And then the mustache is so noticeable. It's great. It's fantastic stuff. And this is like Ed Wood level stuff. I mean, there's not that <laughs> much of the, that in this movie, but this is, you know, fake mustaches are always great. And so Ronnie and the good female counselor, again, I don't actually remember her name. I'm not sure we get it. I'm sure I, we probably do. But they go wandering. They're looking for people. And they walk down towards the beach. And they hear singing or humming. And they're like, Angela. Angela paul is that you guys and we see a close-up of like they appear to be naked and uh paul's head is in angela's lap and then we get the moment we've all been waiting for the scene (laughs) that makes that first aunt martha scene make a little bit of sense yeah because we get a flashback to aunt martha talking her crazy talk is like oh it's so lovely to have a little girl here in my house you know i we had a boy and i always (laughs) wanted a little girl but we had a boy so we just couldn't have another one again with the weird performance and stuff and it's revealed that the kid that they adopted the surviving kid from the opening scene was actually the boy and martha has made them dress as a girl the entire time
1: yeah yeah, and also uh, apparently,
0: apparently Ricky had never met his cousins or something because because he was never able to tell the difference. I don't think Ricky was in on this.
1: No, and okay, yeah, well here that doesn't make let's, much let's... sense, but
0: whatever. No. I mean this is this is a fun twist here, but it is hit home even further because when we cut back to present day, Angela stands <laughs> up first of all, drops Paul's head because Paul's been decapitated with just a knife, which is impressive. That stuff that I mean, you usually need like an axe or something, but just like a. Little... Like a little hunting knife, like a Rambo knife. Yeah. And as Angela stands and turns, <laughs> Angela is a boy. And we see it in in clear detail. <laughs> and Angela or and Ronnie and the other counselor are, of course, in shock. And the movie ends, we get a couple shots of Angela just staring and kind of like groaning, or doing this kind of animalistic yeah. noise as her mouth just her or their mouth just remains open, and they're just staring back, and they're, like, covered in blood and stuff. And the movie ends on a freeze frame of that image, and it's worth noting, because the actress playing Angela is Felissa Rose is, well, A, she's 12, so you're not going to show her nude in this movie or something like that. I mean, you're not going to do that. Although, <laughs> although if one movie does, it seemed like it would be this one. <laughs> and then... That's not a real face. I mean, that's a mask. And it's on an actor. It's supposedly on some like college actor who was so or some like college kid who was so embarrassed and felt so awful about doing the scene that he got really, really drunk beforehand. Oh which, my like, god. I can't really blame him. So he's just standing there and uh so that's a mask. And the movie ends on that freeze frame. And you can't really tell it's a mask. It looks good. I don't know what it was for me. I don't know if it was like the the
1: animalistic moaning, groaning, grunting.
0: Yeah, is that sound?
1: Or if it was maybe the transition between the mask and the body, but something looked off. But that looked like Angela's actual face, and the body. Yeah, to me I agree. I agree. It doesn't different.
0: match that well with the body. It, I, I that's actually I like these shots more in close up actually than the longer shots, and not just because there's less penis in them, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know no i actually think the mask itself looks great the the skin tones off and i don't know how much of that is like the blood smeared on on the person but yeah anyways that's the end of the movie it's an incredible ending and i assume those kids that were killed were the ones throwing sand at angela yeah
1: yeah okay that, that's, th- that's what, what I, thought, I was thinking but
0: yeah you're probably right but like really it doesn't matter that's that's just a we need more people dead in this movie
1: also, for a movie that had so many opportunities to show nudity of somebody who's clearly 18 plus, but like.
0: Meg, for instance. Meg showers and we don't see anything.
1: Yeah they are willing to go she's
0: old enough to be dating a 70 year old she's yeah, gotta be I, 18 right well, yeah,
1: exactly yeah but like there's no nudity in this movie which i'm not complaining about but there's no nudity in this movie except for like this full frontal shot at the end
0: well when <laughs> and we get the bare asses in the skinny dipping scene oh yeah 30 year old skinny scene. dipping but yeah yeah that's interesting this movie for being an 80s slasher flick there is less nudity in it than you would expect from like you know watch like the burning or a lot of the friday the 13th movies but then it's also somehow more about sex than the other movies, too. And it gets really creepy with that.
1: Yeah, well, you know, what, too, when I was watching it uh, the second time, I thought this seems almost like it would play on, like, television at, like, 3 in the afternoon. Like, like horror or, like, sci-fi horror channel or something. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, around Halloween time, they're like, hey, what's a weird slasher movie we could play that maybe some kids could watch up until the last five seconds of the movie? Oh, this <laughs> I know. is... I don't we get we get pedophilia 15 minutes well, in that's exactly but that's kids. so weird because the rest of it is so tame other than murder you know like it's people kissing and people being well like and, a and even coy. the even
0: the deaths themselves aren't overly violent no like the, the the judy or the judy excuse me well the judy stuff is disgusting but it's shot in a way that a kid wouldn't quite know what's going on necessarily yeah. Yeah, Not that I want a child watching this at all, but but <laughs> yeah. like the, the Meg, de- I was thinking of the Meg death. That's the one we probably get the most blood with, but it's like the shots are disconnected. You see Meg in the shower, like wincing and, and stuff. And then you see the shots of the knife just kind of going down the wall and there's some blood. It's like, that's, that's the most blood we get. And it's still fairly tame.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's just so weird to have this movie that's fairly tame, even like for the eighties. And then up at the very end, they just show like full frontal <laughs> male nudity. <laughs> And this grotesque representation of Angela or something, you know, like, that's just like, uh, uh, uh,
0: uh. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what did you think of, let's start with the twist ending. What did you think of this?
1: I was actually a little confused in the boat crash scene at the very beginning. And you yes. see the boy floating there, you don't see his face. I knew that that was the boy because it didn't have the same hair as the girl. Right. And I was yeah, like, oh.
0: I, I think that's another like Ricky in a wig thing where they're just kind of hoping you don't notice that.
1: Yeah, well, cause then I was so confused, so I saw that scene, and then the, then it, it immediately cuts to the crazy aunt in, the, in her house talking to Ricky and Angela, and I'm like, oh, that's weird, Angela is Ricky's cousin, but I thought the boy survived, oh, whatever, I'll go with the flow. But then by the time I got to the end of the movie, i had kind of forgotten about the opening, and I was like, oh my god, this is a twist, and then the second time I was watching, I was like, wait, this isn't a twist, is it that, is that a twist? I don't know.
0: It's, it's definitely a twist, again- You're watching it at a drive-in. Things aren't, it's not the clearest screen. (laughs) It's just, you just see the kid from behind. You're not supposed to know which kid it is. I'm okay with something like that. I think the Ricky scene is, the Ricky coming in to kill Judy scene is a bit more blatant or a lot more blatant. Like I wish they didn't have that one shot in there Mm -hmm. because it's obvious who it is. But yeah, no, I this twist is, well, one, it, it makes... The Martha insane Aunt Martha performance make more sense because the character is insane. Yes, like that's the yeah. point of Aunt Martha. She's insane. That's why she's a doctor somehow. She's a medical <laughs> doctor. We know this from the opening scene. Um, and then she reminds us in the next scene. But she is insane, and so she had her adopted son dress up as a girl. And this is a movie that like. I think you could look at it either way in terms of the implications of that. You could be saying like, oh, this is a movie that's saying like people who are confused about their gender identity are psychopaths and killers and stuff like that. And well, first of all, I I would point out that every other character in this movie may not be a killer, but they're all psychopaths in their own way. (laughs) Uh, But also, I mean, you could look at it in the sense that like someone who's, you know, this thing being imposed on this poor kid by aunt martha is fucking up with that kid's psyche and making them go wrong and and not that i want to say this is a movie that's sympathetic to, to people in this situation but like i mean who's at fault here is it angela or is it aunt martha or a combination of the two
1: definitely at the end of the movie it's a weird and fucked up ending and the whole thing that's been going on is pretty fucked up but then at the end you're like oh i do feel bad for angela because then you think of all the times yeah like, paul was absolutely. into her you know and, uh, well, yeah, and, not
0: even just the Paul thing, and, and I actually did, I hinted at this earlier, but I kind of skipped it over. Paul gets, uh, he's, he's approaching being rapey at the end, when he, when he's yeah. with her on the beach. It, when we get that, I, I kind of skipped over it because we were focusing mostly on that flashback, that weird-ass flashback. Which but also makes more sense. yes. A little bit. Yeah. But but yeah, um, Paul is being pretty forceful there. And it's disappointing because he seemed like a good guy. He seemed like a likable character. I mentioned the character kind of doesn't eighty, And I mean, I think it's some of it is like, okay, again, this kid's a 13, 14 year old kid. He doesn't know what he's doing. This is his first like girlfriend kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then I'm also thinking he's a 13, 14 year old kid. Why is he trying to have sex with someone? Like, this? just yeah. a yeah. like, okay, yeah, this kid maybe he doesn't deserve my sympathy and my understanding. I don't know if he deserves to be beheaded, but <laughs> beheaded with, cleanly with a knife. Well, I mean,
1: just like I don't know if those kids that threw sand <laughs> deserve to be hacked to death by Well, that's by that's, like that's a the big machete. one. These
0: these four year old <laughs> kids. <laughs> i mean that's like like what they did is no worse than angela who as a boy i don't know what angela's name was you know in the opening scene but they threw their dad off the sailboat isn't isn't that as bad (laughs) as throwing as throwing sand at a a girl
1: (laughs) well you know going to that scene that's confusing i think for the both of us of that weird flashback of of her dad and that other man having sex what i was trying to say earlier was maybe it's not like a real flashback but maybe she's thinking about it she's like Oh, this would be like my dad and so and so having sex because I'm a boy and Paul's a boy. Or maybe they were lovers, which from the opening, looking back on it, you might go, oh, that these two men were actually lovers or, or, or were married or whatever. And you might think, oh, they're well, not I'm
0: married. A... I, I think that's supposed to be kind of a shock. Because I, I, oh. I well, in this scene, when, well, one gay marriage in 1983 in America was very true, you know, a, a fantasy, but also like in in this flashback slash dream whatever the kids seeing their father sleeping with another man they're like laughing and they're kind of like I think they're I think they're surprised by it not just because it's their dad it, and it not just because it's sex but specifically because it's sex between two men i think that's the implication
1: and what I still don't understand is the scene where boy angela is pointing at his sister is he pointing at her because he's like D- like it's supposed to I don't even know I don't even know
0: okay here's the thing I think Because we brushed over this. I didn't want to get into it too much because we hadn't gotten to the ending yet. But again, this movie is messed up in a lot of ways. I think that kid, Angela as a boy, I don't believe we get the names of the kids. I think they're going for something incestuous there, right? I don't know. I'm not saying that's what it has to be, but it's definitely on the table as far as an interpretation. Like, I think that kid is like, I saw what those two people are doing let's do this too and he's pointing at her i mean they're in the same bed again they're not like lying down next to each other but i think that's what that's going for yeah it sounds insane like oh how could a movie imply the possibility of incest between two four-year-olds five-year-olds however old they are but then again this is a movie that that has a pedophile talking openly about his pedophilia in front of his colleagues it's like okay if any movie's gonna do that it, it would be this movie i think
1: yeah because that because that's what i thought at first but then i just kind of threw that out the window i was like no that's too weird oh, but that yeah. finger it's point... too
0: it's too weird for most movies i don't think it's too <laughs> weird for this movie
1: yeah and i think the thing that maybe seals the deal for that interpretation is the finger you know what i mean relatively exactly. phallic i guess yeah
0: okay that's that's what you're going for okay you're going for the boring ass freudian interpretation i see <laughs>
1: But yeah i uh I don't know. it's just such a strange such a strange movie but i do like going back like this conversation that we've had i have liked reliving it and thinking about all the times that they have hinted at something not being quite right with angela other than the no talking for the first thirty minutes. yeah i mean
0: the the big one the big one is the judy how come angela doesn't shower with with us at, at the same time as us yeah and and again, that scene does a good job of because then Judy mentions that and then quickly goes into, into just insulting her. So the movie brings up this kind of this question, but then moves on from it and just gets back to Judy just being an asshole bully. But then when you get to the end of the movie, it's like, oh, they did hint at that with that line. Yeah. At least. And I think there's another uh, a few other couple. Well, I guess the other big one is um, is Aunt Martha giving them their uh, physicals. Yeah, <laughs> She she forged their, their physicals or whatever. So that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the other, I guess, hint.
1: Yeah, like it's almost like you watch this movie and you're like, what a weird fucking bizarre thing. And then you watch the twist and you're like, holy shit. And then it makes you rethink the entire movie. And you're like, Absolutely. this is a much smarter movie than I gave
0: it credit. If you take away the twist, this movie is the room. You know, we're like getting (laughs) into that territory where it's like it's just dumb and it's terrible and it's poorly acted. Again, some good makeup effects here. There some enjoyable performances, but for the most part, the acting is atrocious and it's not well shot. And the dialogue's bad and the mustache, the fake mustache. I mean, there's so many qualities of this movie that are just abysmal. But then you factor that twist in and it's like it lends this movie something it's like a weirdly it becomes creative it's this weird (laughs) creative almost (laughs) john waters type thing and it's like i think for me it's like the two things that push this into like being really not just enjoyable not just enjoyable as a bad movie but but downright fascinating to me are obviously the twist and what it does with that and the twist as blatant as it is it is handled pretty subtly it's a genuinely well mapped out twist again going back to the first scene i mentioned like they plant all these not clues because they're not clues yet because there is no mystery but these little seeds of like all these things come back in a way i think it's slightly ruined by aunt martha saying that that she's a doctor that kind of <laughs> that takes away the subtlety of that opening scene and then also the fact that everyone is just insane the fact that everyone has just flipped a switch to 11 on the chrysometer <laughs> is just really (laughs) that's those two things together just make this interesting to me and again going back to i don't know if this is a good bad movie i.e a movie that you enjoy because it's bad because it's has awful qualities that make it funny because this movie does have that again fake mustache being a big one or if it's a bad good movie i.e a movie that had ambition and uh, some kind of drive to it that just failed in a lot of ways. I think it's kind of both.
1: It has to be because because you look at some aspects of the movie again, like the makeup, and you're like, you can tell somebody either hired the right people or they put a lot of thought into how they wanted something to look, or you know that person who was working on the project. Yeah, was but like, you, I'm but you could you could great. easily
0: shrug that off and say makeup is a small aspect of the movie because I mean I've seen bad yeah. movies that have just one aspect that they do really well i've seen really bad movies that have a pretty darn good musical score star wars prequels for instance i don't think that in and of itself is enough but I, again i think the twist ending the cleverness in giving us information about the mystery but but here's the thing at the end of the day like it really is it's it's a it's a surprise about one specific thing the fact that angela's the killer isn't at all a surprise mm-hmm. Honestly, her mo- Angela's motivations are like I guess there's just one more layer to them because we otherwise we know okay someone's killing someone if it's not Ricky it's got to be Angela and why are they killing these people because they did mean things to Angela yeah and then we see it's Angela and it's like okay yeah Angela okay killed Paul because Paul almost tried to rape her and then it's like whoa wait a second Angela's also a man and that makes the. <laughs> i mean that doesn't additionally explain that doesn't (laughs) additionally (laughs) explain the murder of judy it sure as hell doesn't explain the murder of those random kids but it's like it explains the paul stuff a bit more because there was a lot more sexual confusion going on than we thought earlier when it was just like two kids like being intimate for the first time there's more going on than just that and that's why paul gets decapitated (laughs)
1: looking back on it, another death that i thought was maybe a little too harsh for somebody was the kid that angela uh, that angela drowns under the i pig. i
0: think that yeah that guy's an asshole but like he just kind of made fun of her well i don't know yeah i know what you mean i mean we, I, we can look at this movie and say like meg deserved it judy deserved it like they're the two nastiest people here uh-huh. and i guess the wicked dump guy you know throwing the water balloon at her
1: I guess Mel didn't deserve it, unless Angela saw.
0: him Mel didn't the crap do anything to Angela. Mel, yeah. <laughs> if if Ricky were the killer, Mel would have gotten it really bad. But but he didn't actually <laughs> do anything to Angela, so he's innocent in in Angela's eyes, I guess.
1: Half the murders are well deserved. You know, pedophile Judy. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, I forgot about it. yeah. Artie Artie deserves it the most, I guess. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> that, that guy, I, that's that's a justifiable homicide if I've ever seen one. <laughs> that <laughs> guy like needed to go
1: yeah but everybody else is just like everybody's already so crazy like as as we keep on saying everybody's already so crazy and it's like killing people for like a minor annoyance everybody else other than like three characters
0: again death wish three once you get into the charles bronson death wish <laughs> equals <laughs> it's kind of like that Anyways, so Jim, this is the part of the night where we have to answer some difficult questions that I don't think will actually be that difficult this time, at least the first one won't. Which of these two movies did you enjoy more? Definitely
1: Sleepaway Camp.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. Definitely Sleepaway Camp. I mentioned last time with From Russia with Love and Dr. Alien, like I love Dr. Alien. It's a great, weird, good, bad kind of movie, but I will take like a top-notch quality legitimately good movie over something like that every day one sleepaway camp i'm not 100 sure is just a good bad movie it's more than that it's fascinating and also mm. i mean first blood i like it it's a good movie it's quality it's no from russia with love and sleepaway camp is is one of the most fascinating entertaining weird movies i've ever seen i mean the lines of dialogue in this are just incredible it's so <laughs> quotable
1: this week for me is is different than I guess last episode that we did because I loved From Russia with Love and I've seen it a, a bajillion times, but I had never seen Doctor Alien before and I was like, wow, this is a funny weird movie and I mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. This one I've seen Rambo before or um, First Blood before and like I think it's a good movie, it's a fine movie. But you're so right about it. Sleepaway Camp. It is just such a strange like it, it's it's like a case study. You know what I mean? It's a case yeah. study in. I'm not even sure what, but it's it be It's a case study in,
0: in weird psychology and, and yeah. what happens when every single person at your camp is a just desperately needs therapy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Down to the lifeguard. <laughs> Anyways, Jim, what do you think of this as a drive-in double feature? Does it work? Does it not work?
1: Well, you know, I usually say things don't work, but at uh, this time, I'm definitely going to say I don't think it works. Just because Sleepaway Camp is so Fucking out there man
0: yeah that's 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 to me why it works is it <laughs> you end on <laughs> such a high note it doesn't matter what came before it and and first it happens to be good I, the movies are so tonally different but like i think sleepaway camp could come after like almost any movie and it and the night ends with a bang like this is great
1: yeah i mean like i agree with it ending with a bang i just don't know like i couldn't I couldn't leave John Rambo in tears on the the floor of the police station. Yeah, I (laughs) guess. It's kind of fair. Contrasting the the two endings. Yeah, and then, like, the ending of the next movie is a full frontal of somebody in a mask (laughs) for somebody who we thought was a woman. Yeah, I guess I wasn't
0: thinking specifically about the difference in endings. That is fair. I'm still going to say it's good, you know, because First Blood ends on a very emotional ending uh, an atypically emotional ending for an action movie like that sleepaway camp ends on a pretty atypical ending too but one that just makes your mind go like what the fuck it's just
1: so weird like i can't even wrap my head around it it makes me feel like i'm not you know like i, I haven't been experiencing the world in the way i should be Absolutely. this makes me You'll feel hear like colors but you know Patrick if this was playing at a drive-in somewhere uh, these two movies I would definitely see it with you. It would be
0: quite the experience. Don't say with me that makes me feel like <laughs> this movie. Can, we, can, <laughs> we, can we can
1: we No, can we take separate cars? <laughs> yeah. And just <laughs> park next to each other?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there's 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 no uh, you know I'll I'll say this there's no wrong way to see Sleepaway Camp. It's that amazing. If you're watching it by yourself, you're having a good time. If you're watching it with friends, it's probably a little bit better, but Yeah, it's great. Because I I showed this movie to a couple of my friends. You know, they were fixated the entire time because the movie is just that weird and it's that confusing and it's that insane. And, you
1: know, if you have to go into public to watch this at a drive-in or something, you know, if a drive-in ever does play one, you could just find that same fake mustache that that cop is wearing. uh, To to, to to disguise yourself. Perfect disguise, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, Patrick,
0: what are we doing next time? Next time we are doing Alien from 1979 sigourney weaver ridley scott some guy in an alien costume it's on hbo max (laughs) and then we're following that up with gi blues starring the king himself elvis aaron presley this is our first elvis movie i'm looking forward to it i think you're an alien fan certainly more so than i am so should be an interesting time also gi blues is available on prime alien hbo max gi blues prime and I mean, you
1: can rent Alien through Prime if you're in Canada, but I think it's like five bucks or something like that
0: yeah. for 48 hours. Bullshit. Yeah, I know. Canada, man, that H- lack of HBO Max is—it hurts. HBO Max we just suck. just uh, recently released like every Alan Partridge thing ever. And, like, oh, just think—you're no. missing out on that. I am. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Be sure to give us a rating on whatever app you listen to us, because that helps us out a lot. But anyways, I'm Patrick. And I'm Jim. We'll see you next time.